0: Add a little play to your day with the Michigan Lottery. Over 90 online instant games to choose from with prizes up to $500,000. A Marquette County woman recently won $250,000 playing online. Could you be next? Sign up online today to receive 10 free games with promo code FUN. Visit MichiganLottery.com to add a little play to your day. Here to set you free, I don't know if you noticed, those of you watching on Periscope, I had a little trouble with my headphones because my son was in here using my computer. Yesterday, I was using his MacBook uh, to do something with TV, and uh, he's kind of messed up my uh, headphones. I'll have to fix them during the break, and that's why they look a little uh, crazy lopsided. Anyway, hey there. How you doing? Good afternoon. Uh, I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome to, or good evening, welcome back to the only true democracy uh, in uh, talk radio. Uh, Good to have you uh, with us today. Um, uh, First up, I want to say we've got some news, and I want to make a special welcome. And uh, we have a new affiliate here at The Leslie Marshall Show. We've added a new affiliate. Uh, They are Atlanta's new progressive talk, America One Radio. And it's a great uh, honor to be a part of them. Shout out to Hot Atlanta. I love Atlanta and the people of Atlanta, the great state of Georgia. Atlanta's New Progressive Talk, America One Radio. Welcome to the Leslie Marshall family and everyone listening on Atlanta's New Progressive Talk, America One Radio. And uh, you can watch us too on Periscope uh, via Twitter uh, and uh, addition uh, to listening. Uh, if you are stuck at home, like so many of us are, good to have you with us today. I mentioned earlier that Congressman Ro Khanna will be joining us a little bit later in the hour, but right now we're going to do something we do at the top of the hour—an extended version of this uh, on the program today, because the congressman joins us for a little bit smaller, t- smaller time uh, window of time than we normally have our guest for, and that's something we call "ripped." First up, after thousands take to the street to, mem- to protest and then to memorialize uh, yesterday um, Mr. George Floyd and the life of, of this man, Donald Trump said something quite different today that made a lot of people go, huh? Take a listen.
2: Hopefully George is looking down right now and saying there's a great thing that's happening for our country. There's a great day for him. It's a great day for everybody. This is a great day for everybody. This is a great,
0: great day. It isn't a great day just because you have one economic forecast that shows unemployment down. By the way, it's up among African-Americans. And Mr. Floyd, Mr. Trump, was an African-American who died after nearly nine minutes of an officer who had his knees on his body. He was pinned to the ground, positive with COVID-19, so had additional respiratory issues, couldn't breathe, said he couldn't breathe, cried out for his mother, And then lost his life as so many people in this country, specifically African-American males, and we have females as well, do uh, at the hands of police, often white police officers. No, this is not a great day. We have people protesting in the streets because it's not a great day. It's not a great day when you're black and black lives don't matter to some people. It's not a great day when you have white supremacist and neo-Nazi organizations looting and being violent to blame blacks or when you have politicians blaming Antifa when the FBI says Antifa didn't do this. It's not a great day when in 2020 you're fighting something that was fought in the 60s by the slain then uh, former Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It's not a good day when people have lost their jobs and and we have millions of people in this country unemployed. It's not a great day when people go to the supermarket and there's less food because the, ch- the the supply chain has been dinged a bit because of people who are infected with coronavirus or simply because food is not being purchased in volume as it was uh, and food is being thrown out in this country because it's gone to waste and that disrupts the supply chain. It's not a great day when there are people sheltering in place who are being beaten up more because that spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend doesn't go to work every day. It's not a great day when children aren't learning because most of them are home even though schools try as they may online learning uh, just doesn't do it. It's not a great day when thousands of people have lost their lives to coronavirus or and thousands more are suffering from it and so many thousands of healthcare workers are fighting. It's not a great day that America was late to respond. It's not a great day that healthcare workers didn't have PPE. No, Mr. President, it's it's not a great day. You said you were going to make America great again, and you failed. You failed. Let's rip another. And who I hope will be the next president, Joe Biden, who is the a presumptive Democratic nominee. He responds to the president's comments today, those comments on George Floyd and new data coming out about unemployment. Take a listen.
1: President Trump said he hopes that, quote, George Floyd is looking down and seeing this is a great day for our country. We're speaking of a man who uh, was brutally killed by an act of needless violence and by a larger tide of injustice that has metastasized on this President's watch as he's moved to split us uh, based on race, and religion, ethnicity. George Floyd's last words, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, have echoed all across this nation and, quite frankly, around the world. For the President to try to put any other words in the mouths of George Floyd, I frankly think is despicable. And the fact that he did so on the day when black unemployment rose, Hispanic unemployment rose, black youth unemployment skyrocketed, tells you everything you need to know about this man. There's some of the sternest challenges our nation has ever faced. And Donald Trump is patting himself on his back. He just has no idea, in my view, what's really going on in this country. He has no idea the depth of the pain that so many people are still enduring. He remains completely oblivious to the human toll of his in- indifference. It's time for him to step out of his own bunker, take a look around the consequences of his words and his actions. Let's be clear. The president, who takes no responsibility for costing millions and millions of Americans their jobs, deserves no credit when a fraction of them return.
0: Very well said. Very well said, former Vice President Joe Biden. Thank you. Let's rip another. Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser formally requested in a letter dated yesterday that President Trump remove All extraordinary federal law enforcement and military presence in place due to the protest over the killing of George Floyd from the city. The big picture here is that tensions between protesters and law enforcement in the Capitol have actually died down this week. A couple of days ago, their curfew didn't start until 11 p.m. and they had zero, count them, folks, zero arrest. Demonstrations became overwhelmingly peaceful. Bowser has ended both the district's curfew and the state of emergency. Um, Here in uh, Los Angeles, where I live, parts of Los Angeles, specifically where I live, um, are not having a curfew uh, this evening for the first time uh, in a week. Uh, Speaking of weeks, earlier in the week, law enforcement deployed tear gas and physical force, as you recall, to disperse a peaceful crowd of protesters before a Trump photo op at uh, St. John's Episcopal Church near the White House. And um, this is what the mayor is saying. Uh, she cited concerns about, quote, unidentified federal personnel without badges or name tags that could pose both safety and national security risks. And by the way, uh, we had here in California somebody posing as an uh, as, as a National Guard um, officer with weapons, and they were not. These people could be as well without any type of ID and without any, uh, you know, honesty about who sent them and where they're coming from and what organization they're a part of, Um. When citizens are unable to clearly identify legitimate law enforcement officers, it creates unnecessary risk for protesters and officers. That's what she said. My view is that law enforcement should be in place to protect the rights of American citizens, not restrict them. I appreciate your prompt consideration of this request. That's true. If you think about it, some serial killers posed as uh, police officers. And whenever a police officer comes to your door, even the police will tell you, what do you say? Ask them for their name and their badge. Let's rip another. Over the course of just a few hours, President Trump was rebuffed by the Secretary of Defense over his call for troops in the streets and accused by James Mattis, the former Pentagon chief, of trampling the Constitution for political gain. Now, why does this matter Uh, unless you don't like the president? Well, current and former leaders of the U.S. military, are drawing line over Trump's demand for a militarized response to the protest and unrest that have swept the country over the killing of George Floyd by police. And the backlash when protesters and journalists were violently expelled from Lafayette Park said that the president, flanked by Defense Secretary Mark Esper and Joint Chiefs Chairman General Mark Milley, uh, could walk down the square to St. George's Church. By the way, Esper also drew criticism for urging governors to dominate the battle space if protests turned violent. That's what's Ripped from the Headlines. I'm Leslie Marshall. Coming up, uh, we're going to take a break, and then we'll be back to more Ripped in our extended Ripped from the Headlines version here on The Leslie Marshall Show.
1: Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets.
0: Back, I am Leslie Marshall. Happy Friday, TGIF, and welcome or welcome back to the only true democracy in talk. Uh, once again, we want to welcome our new affiliate to the family, the Leslie Marshall listening family, Atlanta's new progressive talk, America One Radio. Welcome, good to have you with us. Um, and uh, because we're all working uh, from home in uh, different studios, uh, we do have our guest, we do have ripped. We don't have people calling into the program, which we normally do, but we will get that again uh, some point uh, down the road, and we certainly hope that you will join us. Uh, Back to uh, checking in in our extended version of RIPPED uh, for the headline. For the second week since ABC News and Ipsos began polling over the coronavirus in mid-March, the president's approval for his stewardship over the nation's response to the outbreak remains at a record low, 39%. Six in 10 Americans disapprove of the president's handling of the virus, The latest marks come as confirmed cases of COVID-19 stand at nearly 1.9 million and as the death toll surpasses 108,000. My correction earlier when I said it's not a good day when thousands have this, 1.9 over, I mean, over a million, nearly two uh, have or have had it. Eclipsing the president's underwater approval rating on the pandemic, however, is his even lower approval rating on his handling of the response to the death of Mr. George Floyd. Only 32% of Americans approve of the president's reaction in the aftermath of Mr. Floyd's death. That has sparked, as you know, thousands and thousands of protests in dozens of cities demanding racial justice, uh, while about two thirds of the nation, according to this poll, disapprove. Majorities across racial groups too disapprove of the president's response to Mr. Floyd's death, with the sharpest rebuke of the president coming from blacks, 90% disapproval compared to 59% of whites, 74% Hispanics. Let's rip another. Well, today as i mentioned earlier is national gun violence awareness day hashtag wear orange if you uh, can't wear orange maybe you could tweet or on facebook linkedin uh hashtag or on instagram uh, hashtag wear orange or wear orange like i am if you can and the reason orange is the color that hadia pendleton's friends wore in her honor when she was shot and killed and that was when she was 15 years of age in the city of chicago if you remember that little girl Uh, performed at President Obama's second inaugural parade back in 2013, and just one week after uh, was shot. After her death, uh, they asked uh, people to stand up, uh, to speak out, and to wear orange, and to do this in order to raise awareness about gun violence. So since then, orange has become the defining color of the gun violence prevention movement. New York gun violence prevention advocate Erica Ford spearheaded orange is the color of peace through her work with her organization Life Camp, Inc. Now, whether it's worn by students in Montana, activists in New York or Hedaya's loved ones in Chicago, the color orange honors the more than 100 lives cut short and the hundreds more wounded by gun violence every day. Do you hear me? More than 100 lives cut short. Hundreds more wounded every day in this country. The movement gains momentum when gun sense activists come together to fight for a future free from gun violence. Uh, there's Wear Orange this weekend if you can't partake today or if you forgot. Uh, that's this weekend, June 5th through the 7th. It's an opportunity for you and all people to show this nation just how powerful we are when we stand together against something such as gun violence, and that we bring awareness on this National Gun Violence Awareness Day. Let's rip another. In the 72 hours since the Trump administration used tear gas and other non-lethal force to violently clear that park, Lafayette Square, of peaceful protesters before the president's walk from the White House to St. John's Episcopal Church, uh, the White House has been transformed into uh, a, a fortress right I mean that's what the Washington Post is saying and they're there in DC uh, if you in DC you look at the the pictures online of the White House there are tall security fences there's concrete barriers I didn't know when the president said he wanted to build a wall that he meant around the people's house this nation, uh, in our, our White House, which we own and pay for, uh, armed guards, sharpshooters, combat troops are uh, are all over the place. According to Google Maps, the new fencing stretches about 1.7 miles around the perimeter of the White House. Um, the post added, "Quote: The White House is no so heavily fortified that it resembles the monarchical palaces or authoritarian compounds of regimes in faraway lands. Strikingly incongruous in, congr- uh, in Congress of, of the historic role of the executive mansion known as the People's House. The resulting picture is both jarring and distinctly political—a Rorschach test for one's view of Trump's presidency. His supporters see a projection of absolute strength, a leader controlling the streets to protect his people. His critics see a wannabe dictator and a president hiding." from his own citizenry. I think the need to fortify your house, and it's not his house, it's our house, shows weakness. That's what Deborah Burke said. She's dean of the Yale Law School of Architecture. She said the president of the United States should not feel threatened by his or her own citizens. And writer Rick G. Rosner noted on Twitter that, quote, in three days, the Trump administration has put up 1.7 miles of new White House barriers to shield himself from his own citizens. Yet, in 1,231 days, The Trump administration put up only three miles of border wall where there was no previously existing barrier. Therefore, the White House barrier went up two hundred and thirty times faster than the border wall. And in a related note, the hashtag hashtag baby gate has been trending on Twitter in regards to the fencing in order to compare it uh, to a baby gate uh, around uh, the White House. Let's rip another. Well, the president without mask is uh, out and about, um, and he is out and about today, heading north to Maine, the northernmost state in uh, the great section of New England that I hail from. Not Maine. I hail from Boston, Massachusetts. Used to spend summers in Maine. But before I tell you this, can I tell you something about St. John's Episcopal Church, something very private? Did I already mention this, Mark? Did I mention about? No, I think I can't remember sometimes. Cause I, think I do just, my... bri-
2: just briefly, maybe you mentioned about the prayer there.
0: Oh, I did. Oh, I think okay. with well, Sarah
2: Amico the other day. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. I already mentioned it. Never mind. I can't always remember what I tell all of you, and then I tell like friends who I'm doing Zoom cocktail hours with. You know, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, let's rip another. <laughs> President Trump. Uh, this is. Oh, by the way, uh, so that you know before I read this, um, this uh, was an editorial, a letter in the editorial in the paper in Portland, Maine today before the president's uh, visit. Our view to President Trump, you should resign now. He lacks the character, maturity and judgment to lead the country in a perilous time. And here's the letter to the president from this community, uh, the the, uh, biggest city, Portland, Uh, in Maine. President Trump, we're sorry that you decided to come to Maine, but since you were here, could you do us a favor? Resign. You have never been a good president, but today your shortcomings are unleashing historic levels of suffering on the American people. Your slow response to the coronavirus pandemic has spun a manageable crisis into the worst public health emergency since 1918. We are also in the middle of the worst economic collapse since the Great Depression. There is no national strategy to recover from the shock that is disproportionately affecting people who are already struggling to make it. And in the face of the worst civic unrest since 1968, with millions of Americans in the streets protesting systemic racism, you fan the flames. And just the last week, you gleefully tweeted about shooting fellow citizens. You go to governors into escalating violent situations so they don't, quote, look like jerks. And you authorize the use of rubber bullets and tear glass, gas excuse me, to clear peaceful protesters out of a public space so you could pose for a Bible-waving photo op. These are just a few examples of why you lack character, maturity, and judgment to lead our country in this perilous time. You should resign. We have to agree with you on one point. You were right to skip making an address to the nation as other presidents have done in times of national emergency. You correctly concluded that you have nothing to say that would make the situation better when what called for is compassion clear vision and commitment to lead. You're out of ammo. But bringing the nation together in times of distress is a big part of the job. If you are head of state, you can't do it. So you should resign. We are back and so is he. Hey there, I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy and talk. Glad to have him back. Uh, he is in the House today. A lot to talk about. And he is literally in the House normally in Washington, D.C. Congressman Ro Khanna. He represents uh, the state of California where I live, the 17th Congressional District. And that includes Silicon Valley. His focus is to create proposals for jobs in areas left behind and tax credits the working class. He believes in exercising restraint in foreign policy and takes no PAC money. Awesome. Uh, Go to the website if you want to see more about Congressman Khanna and all he's done and continues to do and that he believes in and proposes. That's Khanna.House.gov, K-H-A-N-N-A. Follow him on both Twitter and Instagram at RepRohKanna, R-E-P-R-O-K-H-A-N-N-A. Congressman Khanna, thank you for being with us. First off, I hope that you and your family are safe Uh, During uh, this uh, very uncertain time, uh, during this COVID nineteen pandemic.
2: Well, say thank you. I'm a fan, as you know, of your show. Uh, We are safe. My kids and my wife, our district had the doctor very early on, and so it uh, prevented a large part of the spread. And of course, we lost a few hundred lives, which is very tragic. Uh, and people have been hurting business-wise, uh, but uh, I think we've turned a corner.
0: Um, I hope so. My, uh, I think I've mentioned to you before, my brother-in-law, his wife, and two children are in your district, and my yes. sister, yeah, my sister-in-law is an ER doctor, and uh, she wow. had to self, she had to self-quarantine a couple of weeks ago, but thankfully, uh, she just had a normal flu. It, it was not COVID. Uh, thankfully, uh, we have a lot to talk about. There is so much going on uh, in our nation. Um, So first off, let's stop. start with, in Washington, D.C., the president said that in clearing those protesters, no tear gas was used uh, for that photo op. But there are canisters that suggest otherwise. Um, A reporter uh, from Washington, D.C., a TV station, WUSA9, shared images on Twitter of tear gas canisters that he and a colleague collected near the White House, on Monday, clearly contradicting claims from the White House and even U.S. Park Police that authorities did not deploy the weapon against peaceful protesters to clear the way from President Donald Trump's uh, photo op. I have heard from reporters, uh, whether in print or on TV, that were there that said, I know tear gas. I've been in Iraq. I've been in Afghanistan. I know tear gas. That was tear gas. what do you say to this, and what are others in the House saying, and is it just Democrats saying this, or are Republicans concerned about this as well?
2: Well, the Republicans are concerned about it, too. First of all, it's a total abuse of power to have uh, the federal government using force to clear out peaceful protests. I mean, that's our hallmark of our democracy, is people get to express themselves. These were peaceful protesters. Not, Not even the president has had the temerity to imply that they were not peaceful. They were peacefully demonstrating. They were beyond the perimeter of the White House that had already been expanded. Uh, And we don't know which forces were used. I mean, that's one thing we don't still know. Was this the uh, Bureau of Prison Forces that Barr had ordered? Was it uh, the National Guard? Was it the police? Who was used? Who ordered them? Uh, And what did they use? I mean, obviously, you can't believe anything coming out of the president's mouth on this. Uh, So there are a lot of unanswered questions uh, that we have The speaker and others are pushing for it. Who was the police? Who ordered them? What were their tactics? Why were they uh, using these tactics on peaceful demonstrators?
0: Yes, and there are pictures of people that have uh, injuries. My husband's a physician also. When I asked him, he said, uh, you know, whether it's rubber bullets or tear gas, people think that's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Um, Tear gas uh, has a burning sensation. Uh, You have a heavy flow of tears. Uh, Your eyes close involuntary. Um, And not just uh, in in D.C. where there was tear gas, but elsewhere in the country, we've seen rubber bullets used and we've seen people hurt very badly. A young man lost uh, his eye. Speaking of those photographs that the press showed, uh, CM Speed Heat CS and CM Scat Shell OC uh, short range rounds uh, produced by the firm Defense Technology, they're a crowd management tool for the rapid and broad deployment of chemical uh, agents. Um, OC stands for oloresin capsium, it's a chili pepper derived substance, but CS is an industry abbreviation uh, for two, I won't even try, let me see, trial, uh, the key ingredient in tear gas. Um, so are, are they splitting hairs here when you hear the president, his spokeswoman, uh, right-wing media bitterly denying that tear gas was used uh, to clear protesters who are just against racism uh, from Lafayette Park so the president could walk over to J- St. John's Episcopal uh, Church from the, from the White House. Um, does it matter if it was specifically tear gas or if it was tear gas combined with chili pepper? Um, you know this Because the black and white of this issue um, is a president requesting or ordering, or somebody, perhaps the attorney general, requesting or ordering... Um, the military uh, to to do to do this to, to to you know or police or you know who is doing this who ordering this on his own citizens I don't people people understand but, how tyrannical uh, tyrannical and dictator like this is
2: Yeah you're absolutely right, right. I mean it's, the tear gas just makes it worse or so the pepper spray but the point is that the president has no authority uh, the attorney general has no authority to be telling law enforcement or the military uh, to be Uh, using those weapons, that force against uh, our own citizens who were peaceful, who were engaged in their First Amendment rights. I mean, it's really a trampling on uh, the Bill of Rights. It's a trampling on the First Amendment. It's a trampling on our Constitution. Uh, And it's not a liberal issue. It's not a a democratic issue. It's an issue of, do you believe in uh, the hallmarks of American democracy? Or do you want to live in a a, a government, uh, a, a country where we don't have rights and uh, where the people in charge get to basically call the shots? Or do you want to live in a country where uh, a citizen, every citizen, whether you're president of the United States or a citizen outside the White House, is equal in in, in the having uh, their voice respected? And that's really what this is about.
0: Yeah, because some people are saying, look, it was clearly tear gas. Park Police in D.C. say, well, they deployed pepper balls. It's a different brand. It's an eye-watering munition. But they used <laughs> irritant free smoke canisters. Bottom line is the Constitution gives individuals a right to free speech, a right to peace of, peaceably assemble, which these people were doing. Is this is this illegal? I mean, is there any uh, recourse? I don't think we necessarily want to impeach uh, again over something like this. Um, or, or is this just an overreach uh, by this president and his administration yet again?
2: Well, the recourse is impeachment, and that's the unfortunate thing. The past did it, and uh, the Republican senators aren't willing to hold the president accountable. But there's there's nothing you can do short of removing the president from office. I mean, I suppose if the president were to do this again, you could go to the courts and and uh, challenge the court. Uh, but what we probably need to do is amend the Insurrection Act, which uh, the president's abusing. Uh, the Insurrection Act typically t- uh, does give the president the ability to go in uh, and use force uh, without the state governor's consent if it's used to vindicate rights of an individual. Traditionally, this has been used to integrate schools for black Americans. The president's uh, totally uh, manipulating uh, this for his ends. And what we could do is amend it and say that uh, Congress can terminate the president's use of the Insurrection Act and that would go uh, a ways to limiting the president's authority. Um, I'm glad I got to see you.
0: I was not seeing you, but now I can see you. So, uh, you know, it's good when you're you're talking and looking at each other to actually look at each other. Uh, I also, um, I want to talk about military Humvees, uh, helicopters, uh, the National Guard. Um, There is a show of federal force, not just in D.C. Um, There's a show of, of force on the streets of our nation. And you mentioned the Insurrection Act. Isn't the Insurrection Act really to be used more so in combative situations? And my recollection here in our state of California was You know, after the Rodney King situation and the riots at the time, then Governor Pete Wilson requested it. There are no governors requesting this. There are no governors say, hey, you know, help me, uh, Mr. President. Correct?
2: You're absolutely right. And uh, it's not supposed to be used if a governor doesn't request it unless you're going to vindicate a certain right. So obviously the uh, governors of uh, Arkansas didn't request uh, having the troops in to integrate uh, schools. And there the president had the authority to go in and force integration. Uh, but here you, it's not like the president is uh using the uh the this force to uh, vindicate the rights of those who are just uh, lack uh, uh basic uh, privileges it's that they is using this to quell peaceful protests and it's a total abuse of the insurrection act but the language needs to be tightened because technically he can invoke it without governor's uh, governor's consent no one anticipated that Trump would be as shameless i mean our a country was not allowed, it was not built for someone It would be defying the norms in such systematic and all-encompassing ways.
0: We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more um, about uh, amending that Insurrection Act and talk about if that will be possible with the Senate graveyard, where so many pieces of legislation passed by the House end up. We'll be back with Congressman Ro Khanna, and we'll be back to you right after this. He represents California's 17th congressional district, that includes Silicon Valley. The website is khanna.house.gov, K-H-A-N-N-A. On Twitter and Instagram, follow him at Rep. We'll be back with him. Back with you right after this.
1: Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall and we'll be sure to share your tweets.
2: Mar-
0: One of my favorite songs and so true at a time like this. And if you think about when this song came out, uh, the fact that it, it's still relevant today in 2020 is, is really a sad statement for our nation. Uh, let's go back to Congressman Ro Khanna. He represents California's 17th congressional district, including Silicon Valley website, Kana.house.gov on Twitter and Instagram at Rep Khanna. Khanna is K-H-A-N-N-A. Uh, Congressman, thank you for holding and um, welcome back. I hope folks were able to uh, get our uh, conversation, bits of our conversation um, during uh, the break. Uh, you have co-sponsored uh, landmark legislation with regard to police brutality. Uh, you did this uh, last year uh, called the Peace Act. It is gaining traction again with the murder of Mr. George Floyd and more calls for policing reforms. Uh, first of all, tell us why you did put this legislation forth last year and why it's not only important then, but even more so now in light of recent events.
2: Well, there were incidents in my district in San Jose of police violence. There was a famous case, of course, in California of the young man who was at his grandmother's house and uh, the police officer shot him in the backyard. Uh, And so I, uh, uh, wanted to do something. and I reached out to Lacey Clay, who represented Ferguson. It was the fifth year anniversary of Ferguson. and We realized there's one thing that needs to change, and that's the standard of force. We're still being governed by William Rehnquist, who has a standard that if it's reasonable, you can shoot. Well, 46 other countries in Europe, under the European Convention of Human Rights, have a standard that force should be a last resort. It's common sense to me that that's what our standard should be. You shouldn't be allowed to shoot unless you've tried everything else to de-escalate, to leave, to be avoiding that kind of deadly conf- confrontation. It would not just save black and brown lives. It would save police lives. And so we introduced this. We got a lot of pushback, unfortunately, from police organizations. Uh, uh, not many people wanted to support us. But of course, now the politics have changed to post uh, uh, Mr. Floyd's uh, uh, unfortunate tragic passing. And we have a hearing now on the bill on June 10th. The Judiciary Committee has taken it up. Uh, I think the Congressional Black Caucus is going to be supportive, and I think there's a certainly a real chance this passes the House. That that would that
0: would be awesome. I, I know that the Peace Act says that. Uh, It would change the use of force, as you mentioned, to be a last resort. And rather than a first resort, it would require officers to employ de-escalation techniques. What type of techniques are de-escalation techniques? I say that because the other day, as you know, uh, uh, Vice President, former Vice President uh, Joe Biden, the presumptive Democratic nominee, talked about shooting in the knee instead of the head of the heart. Uh, Would that be a de-escalation technique or are there other uh, types of de-escalation techniques?
2: You know that's not what I would be thinking. If I would say that the de-escalation technique would be uh, to uh, and and not uh, uh, put yourself in a position where uh, you're going to have to shoot, to have uh, an approach uh, uh, that is uh, uh, first more conversational, that's trying to see the facts, to make sure that uh, uh, you are, uh, if if you have detained someone or contained them, that you stop with the, with the use of force at that point, that you're not engaged in insulting or taunting. Uh, and of course, there are experts in this. I mean, I'm just uh, talking off the top of my head on what de-escalation. But what I would say is uh, we need to have a totally different training of what that, what that looks like.
0: Also, um, this legislation, once again, uh, very uh, groundbreaking with regard to use of force. It would require states to who, who wish to continue receiving public safety funding from uh, the federal government, the United Department of Justice, to enact similar legislation to require a comparable standard for local police officer. Uh, the federal ev- effort is actually built on something uh, here, AB 392, the Act to Save Lives here in California, correct? Yeah,
2: exactly. I mean, that was part of the... Uh Inspiration for the bill. And uh, the the idea is that uh, there are about 12,000 police officers, uh, police stations around the country. How do you deal with them? I mean, having a federal standard is fine, but most people don't deal with federal law enforcement. They deal with their local police. And the way you deal with them is if the police departments want federal funding, uh, they need to comply with this standard. And I think that would get a lot of the police departments complying.
0: You know, uh, a lot of people, I I think, you know, they hear different stats, but there are just some that are alarming. And uh, uh, African-Americans make up only 13 percent of the U.S. population, but they account for 25 percent of Americans tragically shot and killed by police uh, each year. Um, And uh, we know that police, uh, many places, sadly, have resorted to lethal force rather than using these uh, de-escalation tactics, some of which you touched upon Um, You know, everybody says we need change, we need change, and one way you change is by changing the laws. Uh, So I I think it's awesome, uh, the Peace Act. Now, the House passes it. Does it end up in the Senate graveyard? I say that because Mitch McConnell seems to not like anything from the House because the House has a a Democratic majority.
2: It could. I mean, I'm not going to be uh, sugarcoat this. I mean, I think that uh, McConnell has been uh, resistant to police reform. This White House has been resistant. But I think at least passing the House, let's not underestimate this, because they were both before this moment, uh, both Democrats and Republicans, I would say, uh, had not done enough on police reform. Democrats had done more, but there was hesitancy within our own party. So if we can get the House of Representatives to pass it, then that puts uh, a lot of pressure to make sure if Joe Biden, when he becomes hopefully the president, that he would sign it and that we're in position to get that reform after November.
0: You had mentioned police pushback. Um, do you find as much pushback now? And I say that because we see police marching and protesting with protesters. Uh, we see police with their fist up, uh, uh, power to the people. We see police uh, taking a knee. Um, and we see police officers coming out, whether on TikTok or other places, talking about uh, things that they see that have been wrong, certainly, uh, as they saw in the video of Mr. Uh, George Floyd's death. Are police being more supportive of the Peace Act this time around?
2: Well, it's too soon to tell. I mean, you saw that the police unions, the police leadership broke uh, with Joe Biden, just for uh, Biden saying that we needed to do some basic things on police reform. Uh, But my sense is that the leadership of those organizations may be out of touch with the grassroots and that uh, there are a lot of individual police officers, capital police officers, people in my district, police officers in Fremont, San Jose, who are more empathetic with uh, the protesters. And so you may see that the leadership of these organizations doesn't reflect what the membership actually thinks, but time will tell if police officers will continue to speak up, and that would be very powerful.
0: I wanted your opinion on something that you're not writing, but it's being done. A lot of people are saying, "Huh?" Uh, there were protesters at Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles's home, uh, the other day. He came out and uh, dropped to his knees, uh, and you know, uh, showing the protesters, and people were chanting, "Defund the police." And the next day, he proposed doing just that. And some people are like, how can you defund the police? Is defunding the police something that is wise in some of these cities, especially cities the size of Los Angeles? I say that because, you know, you're in Northern California. You have a very populated area. Um, Is this a measure that would work well hand in hand with legislation like the Peace Act or um, is this this something you think that is necessary now? And and is it doable?
2: Well, I think it has to be looked at locality to locality, but I would say that obviously you need police officers in a society. I mean, and, and, but the question is, what are the, what is their role? And my view is if they're community uh, pillars, if they are trained properly, if they see themselves as uh, resources within the community and they're welcomed in the community, uh, then there's uh, no need uh, to be uh, cutting funding if they're keeping people safe and people are comfortable with them. But I think to get to that point is going to require a lot of legislation and reform. And My hope is that we can focus on those aspects, uh, the standard of force, the elimination of uh, unconscious bias, uh, the uh, sense of what type of training they have to go through, the type of techniques they should be allowed to use. How do they become part and embedded of a community as opposed to oppositional? Those are the things I would focus on.
0: In the former president, Barack Obama, said that he saw people saying protest or vote and it's not either or. You've got to do both. After Donald Trump was elected, uh, you saw, as I did, all over the country, hundreds of thousands of people uh, protesting. Many of them had not voted. Um, Are you hopeful that there'll be more people, especially young people, turning out to vote uh, this November um, as a result of uh, this terrible tragedy?
2: I am. I think we're going to see record turnout. I think we're going to see uh, women turn out in record numbers, young people turn out, African Americans turn out in huge numbers. But I don't think we can take it for granted. I think we have to speak to a substantive agenda uh, about what we're going to do. What are the police reforms we would undertake? What are the reforms in terms of health care that we're going to undertake? What are the reforms in terms of education that we're going to undertake in forgiving student loans, getting Medicare for everyone? Or, or what, what's going to make people's lives better? And uh, as long as we offer people a concrete agenda, they will come out because they want to get Trump out. Mm-hmm. But we can't take that for granted.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Republicans say that they're going to flip the House. I chuckle at that. Do you?
2: Well, <laughs> uh, you never want to underestimate anyone, but I think they've got a very uphill battle. I mean, the uh, uh, the map favors us. I, I feel good about that. I feel good about a lot of our Senate races. Uh, And I feel good about the presidency. But remember, with the presidency, I mean, Jimmy Carter was up 30 points and only won by two. Dukakis was up 16 points. Hillary was up. So it would be foolish to underestimate uh, an incumbent president. And we have to fight uh, as underdogs uh, like our life depended on it.
0: Yeah, thank you for being with us. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're so busy. And uh, again, be safe, Congressman. Thank you. Uh, that is... I enjoy it. I
2: appreciate all the work you're doing.
0: OK, thank you. Likewise, likewise. Uh, Congressman Ro Khanna, uh, representing California's 17th Congressional District. Go to the website, Khanna.House.gov, K-H-A-N-N-A, and on Twitter and Instagram at Rep Ro Khanna, R-E-P-R-O-K-H-A-N-N-A. I'm Leslie Marshall. Shout out to Marky Mark, Kumaldi, my executive producer. We'll be back with you next time. Thank you for listening and watching
1: Limit one per account slash household. Requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers
0: currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details.
2: At Speedway, we've always been here to get you what you need when you need it. We're committed to keeping our stores open, clean, and safe. So you can stay fueled and refreshed all summer long. We've got cold drinks for hot days and frozen drinks for even hotter ones. Plus, energy boosts, quick bites, and pick-me-ups. We're always on your way, and we're always here for you. So no matter what you need, When you stop by, we'll be ready. Now buy any three cooler beverages and get 500 bonus Speedy Rewards points.